Uh, I wanted just to invite you to open up your program again, and there's a listening guide in there uh, that you can kind of track today, what I'm going to be speaking on. Take notes uh, if that's helpful uh, for you. Uh, but what I thought I'd do, as I usually do this time of year, and, and you probably do to some degree, we all do, uh, we start to reflect, we start to think back, especially as this is literally the last day of the year. Um, I want to focus our time this morning on not just how do we become like a better person uh, physically or emotionally, but uh, what can we do that can actually lead to spiritual growth? Uh, spiritual growth actually goes beyond uh, this lifetime. It's, it's eternal. As we grow spiritually, as we connect with God, this is something that goes on forever. And so what I want to do is spend our time looking at how do we grow spiritually this next year uh, as individuals? Uh, what does that look like for us as a church? And so I thought I'd start with just a little bit of reflection. And so you'll see uh, on the screen and in your, your listening guide um, a question. And the first question is, what kind of a year uh, did you have spiritually? For you personally, uh, what kind of a year did you have spiritually? If you're going to gauge that or assess that. And there's three categories for which you can maybe check a box. Uh, the first is uh, spiritually apathetic, like I just didn't seem like I cared that much about spiritual things. Uh, that could be you. Uh, this isn't something that you're sharing. Uh, so answer that honestly. That, that could be you. The second is uh, spiritually inconsistent. Um, I had some intentions. I wanted to see some things happen. But it seems like it was a very up and down year uh, spiritually. And then the third is uh, spiritually strong. Like what I intended to do, I, I was able to do spiritually. So just at, before I explain that anymore... How would you rate yourself? Like what box would you check? So go ahead and just check that box. Where do you think that you fit? Go ahead and you can do that now. You can do it in your mind. Everybody kind of have a, an answer. Any of you like all of the above? Like every, you know, I want D, all of the above, right? Well, whatever your answer, the, the, the question to follow that is, is why did you put what you put? So in that question, there's a certain degree of your filtering, how would you answer that? And that's a certain you know, helpful thing to think about when you deal with spiritual things. How do you answer where you are or assessing your, your own growth? It's actually very difficult to do in church life. Assessing growth is very difficult. Uh, even in my own life, it's like, well, how do, how do I know if I've grown? What, what, is that, what does that look like? And so I want to start with this question in mind. And then as we deal with things that are spiritual in nature, it's actually something that's difficult sometimes to, to think about, which is why it's important to do. Because in our world, so much talk is on growing um, in lots of ways, but a lot of it's not focused, in culture at least, on spiritual growth. There's a lot of things. There's no shortage. I'm sure you've already gotten emails from companies that have a product that they want you to buy that's going to help you have a better 2024. Anyone receive those emails yet? If you're on social media, you see all the ads. Like It's all related to like how do you become a better person. Uh, but you don't see normally as much in the spiritual sense. But this is where the church is so important because we have to stand up and say, of all the things to grow in, you can grow in all sorts of areas. But if you don't grow spiritually... Uh, you're really not living the life that God wants you to live. Because we, we are spiritual beings. We're, we're made to, to connect with Him. And so, there's a scripture that I'm sure uh, some of you have read before. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 6. 
and Jesus is speaking about the pursuit of life. And in Matthew 6, 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So if you, how many of you have heard that verse before? Okay, Matthew 6, 33, it's this focus of all the things that you need to do. You need to seek something first, and it's the kingdom of God and his, his righteousness. What's very interesting about this passage is that Jesus is actually speaking in the middle of worry, in the middle of concerns, in the middle of all the things that you have going on in your life. You need to actually seek the kingdom of God, you know, his, his ways. And so what's the kingdom of God? That's an interesting phrase. If you're supposed to seek it first, uh, it's helpful to know what that is. In fact, in the ESV, which is the translation that I read from mostly on Sundays, that's the English Standard Version. In the New Testament, the kingdom of God is mentioned 126 times. There's this emphasis of like, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is something we're supposed to pursue. Jesus himself says, you're supposed to seek it first. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God uh, really is God's rule and his reign. That is, uh, the way he operates, who he is, it, it's actually supposed to be a certain way of life. So the kingdom of God is not just this this place, it, it really does represent uh, the, the power and the rule and the reign of God, uh, something that we should be pursuing here. That is, that, that God and who he is uh, should permeate the kind of life that we live. So the reason I bring that up is Jesus is talking about seeking this first in the middle of all the worries. So maybe if you go back to the question of how would you rate yourself spiritually, maybe another way to say it is, how much did you worry this past year? That's a different way to think, right? If Jesus is saying, do not be anxious, do not worry about tomorrow. I take care of all the, the, the lilies, the plants, all, all of the earth. They don't worry because I take care of them. And then he says, but seek first. What he's saying is, is, worry is oftentimes the thing that we seek first. It's the thing that we go to. We're anxious about all these concerns. And so maybe another way for you to think about your life is how much anxiety, and some of you moms, you're anxious right now. Right? How much anxiety do you experience uh, this past year? So you don't have to raise your hand, but did you experience a great deal of anxiety this last year? There was a lot of worry. There were a lot of things that were weighing on you, and that seemed to be the thing that you, you went to first. So a better way to, to think is, of all the things that are concerns, do I take my worries and do I stew, do I mull, and do I solve? Or do I take the worries and concerns and do I give them to God? And so the measure of seeking first the kingdom is how much time do you spend independent with all your worries and then how much time do you spend dependent by giving them to the Lord. This is really the battle of life. And we can be worried of all sorts of things. Uh, things that are fears. Uh, we can be worried just about material possessions, um, how we're going to make it in this world with everything that's going on. Uh, we can also be fearful of others, their approval, um, all of these things can become what we get consumed by. But Jesus is saying, is of, of all the things, you have to be concerned, not with your worries, not with your fears, not with your anxieties, but my rule and my reign and my righteousness, that is the way that I want you to live. What's right? Truth. Love. The things that are from me and my word, these are the things that I want you to live out in your, in your life. So this is the gauge of what it means to be spiritually strong. Like in all the things that I'm facing... I'm bringing God's rule and God's reign 
into my life. And the only way that I know whether I'm doing that is, is I have to compare how much time am I stewing and trying to kind of focus on my own rule and my own reign in my problems, in my circumstance, and everything that I've got going on. Does that make sense? It's interesting because this, this hit me as I was just studying this. If you look at this idea of seeking first in the context of worry, it actually helps it bring kind of it brings it home. Because most of us don't have to think about worrying, right? It's like default. Worry, anxiety, fear. It's like factory reset. That's where we are. Seeking first the kingdom. That's what we need God's help. And so I just want you to be thinking that in terms of your life, what you're facing. And if you consider yourself a, a, a worrier, would anyone be like admitting enough to say like you're a worry person? Yeah. Uh, it, it's easy for, for us to do that. But the good news from the gospel, and that's the good news of Christ and his grace, is that we are not just here on this earth to be left to our worry, to our anxieties, to our fears. We've been given the kingdom of God, the rule and reign that we can know when we turn to Christ. And because of that, life uh, can be different. So I want to just talk about some habits and some practices that you can do individually uh, over the course of the next month, three months, uh, the next year, if you will, that will help the kingdom of God become a little bit more real to you. Uh, it's not an abstract, abstract idea, but what are the things that I can do in my life and you can do in your life that helps God's rule and his reign become real in your heart? Christianity is not intellectual alone, although it stands up to intellectual tests. It's meant to be something that's lived out. Um, I think it was Dallas Willard. He's a philosophy and author. Had a lot of really good things about spiritual life. But he says the kingdom of God is finding what God is doing and acting with it. So you need to find what God is doing and you join him in that work. And so I want to just spend uh, just the rest of the time talking about some things that you can do, and I'm calling them firsts or first things first, uh, four practices that you can do so the kingdom of God, his rule, and his reign can grow in your heart. Some of these things you may be doing and you may have done them for a long time. Some of these things you intend to do, but you've not done them yet. Some of these things you don't want to do. It's very difficult for you to even think about doing them. And depending on the thing, and depending on where you're at, you could find yourself kind of across the spectrum. But I want to share this because there's just something about making the main thing the main thing in the Christian life. And for me personally, these four things that I'm going to talk about have been the keys for me kind of getting off the rule and reign and the throne of my own heart and allowing Christ to be on the throne of my heart. And these practices enable me to do these. So I'm going to talk about what you can do the first of the day, what you can do the first of the week, what you can do the first of the, the month, and what you can do the first of like each quarter every, every three months. Okay. Um, so first things first. Here's what you can do the first of the day every day. And that's to seek God. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to decide every day if you'll allow God's rule and reign to permeate your heart. And the way you do that is you spend time with God in his word and in prayer. That's spiritual discipline. So for God's kingdom to be something that we seek first, it really does start with spiritual disciplines. Isn't that just a terrible idea? Because there's a lot of us, me included, that we want things to happen, but the discipline is what's tricky. The habit 
the rhythm, the ongoing things. Like it's, we want to live life many times independent kind of on our own terms. And you may be like a type A, you like to do things very structured. You might be type B, you like to kind of choose your own path. But you always consistently, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to go back to the source. And if you're young and if you're old, it's still the same. You can't be a Christian a certain amount of time and then you like retire from spending time with God. You have to choose that. And uh, I'm going to just, over these points, just read some scriptures that highlight this. So I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. But Psalm 63.1 has been a real encouragement to me. This is a Psalm of David. It says, Oh God, you are my God. God, early will I seek you. Anyone like not mourning people here? Like early, you can decide how early what that means to you. Okay? Some of you are like, yes. If it's dark, that's what I want. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. This is, again, in the context of life. So if your circumstances in your life is a dry and a weary land, you have a choice. You either turn to yourself to try to figure out how to solve your dry and weary land, but most of the time you're trying to draw water out of a rock because you can't do that. Or you turn to the Lord and you say, my, my land is dry, it's weary, and I'm thirsty, and the only source of sustenance is from you. So the picture of the Christian life is somebody who's actually in need of spiritual nourishment, and you come to God every day expecting that he will feed you spiritually. Most of us don't have to think about eating, but we have to think about spending time with the Lord. And so this prayer of David is just this prayer of like, God, I, I want to make this important. This is a regular, ongoing process. Now, for some of you, the idea of spiritual discipline and spending time with God is difficult. And so what I want to encourage you in, especially as we start a new year, because we all know most resolutions fail, right? We just, again, go to the default. So the, the, the key to spiritual connecting with God is if you miss a day, don't just say, well, I've, I've blown it. Next year, I'll start again. You, 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 just, you have to keep at it. If you, if you miss a day, you don't spend time. You miss a week, you miss a month, you miss a couple months, whatever it is. Like, I haven't read the Bible in months or years. Well, start. You start. Start where you are. Don't keep chasing the perfection that you'll never know. Start, start where you are. Uh, Mark 1, this is Jesus. This is another depressing verse for those who are not morning people. Very early in the morning, while it was still what? Dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus always placed the priority on connecting with God. And there is something about in the morning that can help. The idea of like the first thing, again, the, the focus. I know for me in my day, if I end up going to God first and have that point of surrender, not my will today, but yours, your rule and reign, not my rule and my reign and my circumstances and my stuff and my relationships. If I choose that first, other than like my own world and reaching for my phone and checking emails and all those things, it's amazing the difference that going to the Lord first makes in my day. And some of you may have experienced that as well. But if you can't do it in the morning, you don't just say, well, I missed the morning. Well, then do it at lunch. Do it at night. Do it, do it when you can. So the key is you, you have to spend time with God. This is actually something that we all have to get to the point where we realize there's no spiritual growth that I can really experience that will be disconnected from my own personal growth with God. So no matter what the church does, no matter all the programs that we do, and this is the same for your kids, no matter how good Kids Zone is, no matter how helpful you train them, if they don't learn to begin to spend time with the Lord themselves, they will not grow. 
just like you will not grow. And so this is of utmost importance. We have to make first things first, and first of the day we have to choose to seek God. Here, here's just some uh, practical suggestions, and I'll have these for each. Uh, have a plan. Uh, decide when you could spend time with God. If it's not in your calendar, it's not in your life. A mentor told me that years ago. Did you guys hear that? If it's not in your calendar, it's not in your life. So maybe calendar time with the Lord. You're saying like, I'm going to make this a priority. If you decide to do it, like I'm going to do it at 6.30 a.m. every morning, but you don't set your alarm, you won't do it. So nail down like when you could do that, where you could do that, uh, what you'll do. Some practical suggestions. Uh, Read the Psalms. If you're not familiar with scripture, it's in the, uh, the middle of the Bible. We also have Bibles if you need them. But read the Psalms. It's, it's poetry, but it's reflective of God and life and how he intersects with us and what we deal with. Um, you can read the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. So those are both Old Testament books, Psalms and Joshua. Uh, you could also read in the book of John, learn about Jesus' life. Uh, look at the table of contents if you're not sure. Like look for John or find somebody that can help you. Uh, the book of Philippians is also helpful. So there's four places you could start. Uh, you could start reading four verses. You could start reading eight verses. You could start reading the chapter. But just get, get specific. Like, I can start reading my Bible. Here's where I could start. Uh, have your tools, a Bible. That makes sense. Um, if you don't have a physical Bible, I do encourage you to get one. Because have you ever tried to read your Bible on your phone, and then all of a sudden you're checking your email? Anyone ever done that? Or social media? It's weird. It's like there's a scripture, always called Instagram. Like, it's like, how does, like, it can be automatic. Because we're trained when we go to our phone. Our thumbs know exactly where to go and what we do. It's like we're, there's a pattern. So if you're new to reading scripture, but you're not new to being on your phone, it might be good to like put your phone away and get in the scriptures themselves. There's something about the pages that actually can help you. It, it actually helps you learn, too, uh, kinesthetically. So if you need a Bible, we can get you a pen, notebook. Uh, that's to actually write down uh, things that you learned, maybe some things that stood out to you. Uh, if you don't write things down, most of the time you don't retain them. And so I encourage you to do that. And then uh, this last is just a tool for what you can do. So uh, it's the acrostic of pray, but it means to pray, to read, to analyze, and to, to yield. So uh, before you spend time with God, just, God, I want to take this time, and it could be five minutes. God, I want to just give these five minutes to you to read from your word. Will you help me to focus? So just pray for focus. Pray for understanding. Pray for distraction-free. Most of the times, distraction will hit you at the time that you decide to spend time with the Lord. And so pray. And then you read. Uh, read. Read the scriptures themselves. And then analyze. Ask some questions. What does this mean for me? Uh, what, what's something that I need to pay attention to that the scripture is telling me? How does this relate to my own life? You just have to ask some questions. And then the yield is that surrender. Like, I want to do what you say today. I want to live for you. And so that's the first is... If you want to grow spiritually, it begins with your relationship with God, and you want to seek Him first. And if you can, seek Him first thing uh, in the morning. Uh, Number two, so first of the day, seek God. Uh, Number two, first of the week, worship. You're already doing it right now. But there is something about a priority of growing spiritually where you have to be with the people of God. Uh, First of the week, that's a Sunday, you you worship. Uh, Acts 27 says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Uh, that's actually speaking of the Lord's Supper, remembering his sacrifice, but we kind of broke bread literally today. We had a little potluck. But the idea is that, that we, we get together regularly. Uh, that's what God's people have been doing 
uh, since the beginning of creation is spending time with God and then with, with each other. In the New Testament, you see the pattern of this. Uh, Hebrews 10 is a warning. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 is speaking to the habit that is in all of us to begin to pull away from gathering with people, specifically with the church. There's just something in us when life gets hard, when life gets beyond us, that we're, there's always a battle within our hearts, like that rule in the rain. Like, I'm, I kind of need to focus on me. I need to figure out some stuff. And so as we're figuring out our own things, oftentimes we say, like, I need to just kind of figure this out on my own, and then I'll come back. But what tends to happen is you try to figure things out on your own. You are alone. And the more you're alone, it's harder to come back. And you probably felt, you know, felt that in your own heart. You've seen that in the lives of people. But there's just a habit that we all should have. We have to keep uh, getting together as a church. Because this is where there's a certain life that we have where we, we can interact with people and they can interact with us. They can ask us how our week is going. We can actually share honestly. And then they can follow up. I don't know how many of you, it was such a joy to see you this morning. The church let me be a greeter, you know, once a year. I made it the last day of the year. But I, I, the reason I enjoy that is that every face I see, there's like a, there's a story. Like, we, we know each other. <coughs> And there's something about being known that, that's so important. So uh, worship, it's not just the fellowship, it's also the singing, it's getting into God's word together, that's how we, we learn. Uh, here's some practical suggestions for this. Um, pray on your way to church on Sunday. How many of you have ever gotten in a fight with your spouse on the way to church? Or your kids? You guys all have perfect relationships or what? Like, but for me, oftentimes there's so much stress on a Sunday. I think sometimes the enemy... Satan comes against us on a Sunday to just get us in the wrong headspace, uh, to even just derail us so we don't go. But uh, pray. Pray on your, your way to church. God, help me to hear what I need to hear. Give me eyes to serve and words to encourage. That is, like, as I enter into this group of people, God, will you allow me to, to build others up, and God, will you use others to build me up? That's the church. That's fellowship. It's like a reciprocal. And so on your way to church, pray. Saturday night, pray. Sunday morning when you wake up, pray. And then come ready to worship and surrender uh, your heart. Uh, move from observation to participation. Um, it's easy to come into church and you just watch. Watch what people are doing. Watch what people are saying. Watch the clock. Right? Like, there's a lot of watching. But church is actually participatory. It's as you participate, as you engage, as you have conversations, as you serve, as you extend yourselves for others. That's where you participate. It actually helps you grow. And so the church is really supposed to be a place of not an observation, not of spectating, but of uh, participation. And then another practical suggestion is just take notes on what you learn. Like we have a listening guide on purpose, not just to like print out paper. But again, it's helpful to just write down insights from God's word. Uh, that, that helps you learn and, and connect. So... Those are some practical ideas. So first of the day, seek God. First of the week, uh, worship. Number three, another practice. Uh, first of the month, tithe. Very interesting. Church talking about money. It always ends up there, right? No, but seriously, if you want to grow spiritually, you actually cannot get around your resources. Because if you think about the rule and reign of God, that rule and reign includes our resources and our finances. And if you want to know if God's real... Begin to give your money away and see if he'll still take care of you. 
in the context of money or and worry, where Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, he was actually speaking a lot of provision. So seeking first the kingdom means as I give myself, my resources, which includes my money, to the kingdom of God, his rule and reign here and now, I trust that he'll take care of all the other areas that I'm concerned about. So if you want to grow in your faith, one of the key ways you can do that is start with your resources. It's very specific, and God's word speaks of this. It's like, if you want to know where your heart is, your treasure, it's like, you can see it's all wrapped up uh, together. Uh, Leviticus 27 speaks of this, this tithe, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So if you're unfamiliar with this concept of tithing, it means 10%. This was set up in the Old Testament. And the idea is like God has given us everything. But as a measure of faith, to remind us that he's given us everything, uh, he required we give back 10, a tenth. So the tithe literally means a tenth. And the idea is it's a reminder every time I give of myself and my resources, as I give this tenth back, it's the reminder that everything has flown, come through the hand of God. And he has not required me to give everything. He's just required me to give back that, that, that tenth. Uh, Jesus spoke of this in Matthew 23 as well. This, I bring this up because this is the New Testament. And he's talking to the religious leaders and he calls them hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. The reason I bring this up is many times you can't just connect or disconnect my giving of God from from your heart. And every time you give, it's actually a heart issue. And there's a surrender of the heart. And so, so much of giving in the New Testament is focused on generosity. And the idea is like out of the abundance of all that we've been given, out of the abundance of seeing Christ come and his death and his burial and his resurrection, we give out of this abundance but it's easy for us to think, like, okay, there's a formula. If I just do this, whether it's giving, whether it's giving my time, whether it's service, like, we just work out the formula. But the idea is it's from the heart. And so if you want to grow, one of the, the, the greatest ways you can do that is begin to look at, are there areas in your life where you're stingy? Like, you don't want to give up certain things. And that's only what you can answer yourself. Like, there's the stinginess of, like, I don't want to give this up because it's mine. The Christian life is actually taking your fist, which is clenched over the things really important to you, and you begin to open that and say, Lord, will you open my hands so it's not stingy, wrapped around the things that are important. And the Christian life is actually this picture of surrender in every area of your life, where the clenching of the fist becomes this open hand, and God gives, and he takes. But in the middle of all that, he always takes care of me. And so if you're new to giving... Uh, you may not be ready to give a tenth. Because like, I give zero. To go from zero to ten is a lot percentage. So just give what you can. Take a measure of faith. I can give. I can take you know, the things that are really important to me and I can just in faith say, you know, I'm willing to give this amount and then ask God to grow. So th- that's part of my, my practical suggestions. Uh, give a percentage. Uh, the percentage represents the whole of what God has given us. Uh, the standard in the Bible is 10%. This is new to you. Go before God and pick a percentage, whether that's one, whether that's two, whether that's five. Uh, to start and then ask God to grow your faith to give 10% and, and beyond that of, of just this generous life. Uh, the second, I talked about that a little bit about the, uh, the, the attitude of the heart. Give cheerfully and, and willingly. 
Uh, one of the things that we do at Ridgeview is, is you actually do need to talk about money. Because as your pastor, if I don't talk about money and spiritual growth related to your money, I'm actually doing you a disservice because that's what the scriptures talk about. But we don't do it in a way that's going to cause guilt or shame. And if you feel that, please don't hear us wrong. It is about this cheerful and willingness where it's out of the overflow of all what God's given us, we give back. And then the third is just give first and automate your giving. Make the decision to tithe and do that what? First. If you decide to give at the end, after you've paid everything else, often what happens is you have nothing left to give. So faith is, I give first. And I know that God will take care of me. Uh, if you wait till after all your expenses, most of the time you won't give. Giving is always done in faith and with expectation of God's provision. So first, first of the day, you, you want to seek God. Uh, first of the week, you want to worship. First of the month, you want to tithe. And then I want to just give you a, a practical suggestion for what you could do at the beginning of the quarter. So maybe every few months. And uh, first of the quarter is, is to fast. So this is spiritual growth. The idea is to fast something which can help me disconnect the physical world to rely on God spiritually. And fasting uh, shows up in the Old Testament. It shows up in the New Testament. Uh, But it's the idea of like over time, as I fast something, as I give something up, I'm moved to rely on God more in a a certain uh, area. And the idea of fasting is to free ourselves up from things that we rely on to realize that we can rely on God first. That's what, what fasting does. Uh, in Joel 1.14, this in the Old Testament, it says, Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Fasting in the Old Testament most of the time was, was connected to like God's people experienced sin, a drought. Uh, they needed God to come through. And the idea of like, let's get all the people together. Let's give up these things that we're relying on. Let's fast and focus on God and, and worshiping him. Matthew 6, this is in that same a chapter of seeking first his kingdom. This is Jesus. He says, but when you fast. So when is the idea of like, this is a practice that you can do. But when you do it, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the idea of fasting is that the things that are just regular rhythms that we rely on, there's times where you could fast, and it could be food. It could be 24 hours. And you say, I'm not going to eat any food for 24 hours. And during those times that I would be eating meals, or those times that I'm thinking about food, I take that time to pray. And if you think about that time, if you're not eating and you're praying, you've just grown your prayer life, right? And it's also the idea of, like, many times we want to feel better about things through physical means. Anyone get hangry here? Like, that's a real thing, right? But it's the idea of like, it does impact us. And this, this isn't like an ongoing, you shouldn't eat, but it's a sense of like, we can become so reliant on this physical world and feeling good and how food and different things can like almost help us cope. Um, I just think about that like with sugar. You know, over the Christmas holidays, like you eat sugar all the time. And then that becomes very addictive, right? Is this too soon? It's too soon. Okay, I'll, I'll... that's next week, guys. Next week, we're still... We got one more day. We got one more day, okay? 
Uh, so here's some practical suggestions. Decide what you will fast. Um, it doesn't have to be food. Uh, what if you fasted from your phone for a day every quarter? Like what would happen? What if you fasted from Facebook or Instagram a day, 24 hour period? What would happen? Or from food or, or whatever it is. Like what is it that you could fast from to say no to that could help you focus on God? And then decide how long you will fast. Uh, do that in faith. So most of the time you don't want to start and then decide after you started. I'm doing this. I think it's going to be a good two-hour two hour food fast. Decide before, you know, and, and, and start where you are. It could be 12 hours. It could be 24. And then use the time to pray and devote yourself uh, to God. So go ahead and, and, and just look back over that list if you have your listening guide. Uh, you can see those categories again. First of the day, seek God. First of the week, to worship. Regularly get together. First of the month, to tithe. Uh, first of the quarter, to, to fast. Now, these rhythms I've just put as a way to remember, but obviously um, you can give whenever you want to give, and it's not like you're sinning if you don't give first of the month or whenever that is. And the, the fast doesn't have to be every quarter. It's just these are some rhythms. These are some rhythms to think about. And so look over that list. Um, which one of those do you think you need to focus on? Look at that list. Which one of those do you think you need to focus on? Is it seeking God first of the day? Regularly attending, really trying to make a priority, coming to church? Is it giving, tithing, taking that step? Or is it giving up something to further spiritually connect with God? So, so pick one. Any of you think, like, I need to do more than one? Yeah. And if that's you, just pick the one that you think is the most pressing. Pick that one first. And ask God to get you some, some traction. Uh, as I close out, um, I want to just ask some more questions. Um, based on these four things, you know, to put God first in your life, uh, what are some things that need to change for you? And then what specific tools, relationships, or resources will help you put things first? So I want to encourage you with these four things in mind. What does this mean for you? Like, What does it mean you have to do differently? What are some things you have to think about? Some maybe practices, some disciplines, those rhythms that I've talked about. I want to encourage you to think about it because if you don't think about it, again, we, we, we default. If we don't make plans, we, we, we default. So uh, next week... I'm going to start a new series, which is going to speak further on this, but specifically as a church, how do we build momentum? And we're going to be talking about the spiritual momentum we can build, and this is kind of the beginning of what I've talked about today, individually. But over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how do we build spiritual momentum. So uh, I hope you'll come back. We're back to our regular uh, programming, as they say. Um, we'll have both services at 9 and 1030, and we'll have Kids Zone at, at both of those. And so I encourage you, come back next week to really look at how we can build that momentum. And so uh, we're going to receive our offering in a moment, and uh, Cameron's going to come back up and, and lead us in another song. Uh, but it's been just a blessing to uh, be with all of you.